Welcome to the Shark Effect Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of parenting athletes and provide valuable insights to help guide them towards success both on and off the field. My name is Alex Mogan, and I'm an NFL veteran of eight years. I'm an author, international speaker, personal development coach, and father of eight. Join us as we explore strategies, share inspiring stories, and provide practical tips to help parents navigate the challenges of raising successful athletes who excel not only in their sport, but also in life. So get ready to unleash the shark effect and make a splash in your child's athletic journey. All right, Eric. Hey, man. Um, I'm very happy to have you on the show. I know I've, I mean, I've been trying to get after you for, for quite some time now, but, um, you know, I'm very um, excited to have you on some of the things you've done. Um, you're very passionate about what you do. And, you know, I know our conversation is going to help out a lot of people. So, man, just, just first and foremost, man, thank you for being on the, uh, the Shark Effect. Alex, it's a blessing to be here. I really enjoyed our, our pre-conversation a couple of weeks ago. We just clicked, man. So I'm excited to dig in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I know they've heard a little bit about you, you know, with the intro, but can you tell my listeners just um, a little bit more about Eric Corum? Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in Dallas, um, great parents. Uh, I, you know, my, my childhood was interesting. I had a really solid family. My parents were both entrepreneurs and worked really, really hard. We didn't grow up with the most, you know, mm-hmm. um, very middle class, maybe even sometimes, you know, pull, pulling along. Yep. But my mom and dad were hard, hard workers. My dad had a started a publishing company. My mom started a, a catering business out of a 400 square foot little kitchen above a like a tennis club. And so ever since I was little, I was loading up catering events on the weekends. Um, And, uh, you know, my parents really instilled in me a couple things. One, that you were to use whatever gifts God gave you to your maximum ability. And if you were given a little, then you max it out. If you were given a lot, a lot more is expected. And, um, the other thing was, is to always find a way to help and serve others. Mm. And so I think that's really kind of set the tone for my life. Fast forward. Um, my mom now has a very large catering and food manufacturing company in Dallas, Texas. I think she's got 50 employees. Um, she did a lot of, a lot of people that you played in the league with. She did their weddings, Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, all those folks. So I was like in the kitchen when these guys got married and I was like poking my head out, you know? Um, and then my dad, you know, uh, actually was a behavioral profiler, wrote a lot of books and anyway, so that was my, 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 my youth. I was also an overweight kid and I was picked on a lot, like a whole lot. And, um, it's very interesting, man. I mean, we hear about bullying today and I see it and I have young kids, but I don't know, maybe it was the neighborhood I grew up in, but it was like, brutal, you know, fights, you just got picked on because you were chubby. And so, um, I kind of, I didn't have a negative chip on my shoulder. The chip I had on my shoulder was I was upset because people didn't see past my exterior. Mm. And then I found sports and, um, I found a way that I could, I was actually pretty good. I could pitch. Okay. Um, I could hit, 
And then my parents would not let me play football until sixth grade, which I now look back. And for me, it was a wise decision. Um, but I, I, they put, it was so funny, man. They put all the rejects on one team, all the kids that hadn't played before. Okay. And it was kids from the projects, kids that were just nerdy kids, all the kids, that, like nobody wanted. And we just kicked butt, man. And, um, I'll never forget going up against this team. I even remember the name. They were the Lions. Yeah. And the Lions had all the popular kids that made fun of me. And it was the first time where I could actually enforce my will on somebody in a violent, controlled fashion. Yeah. And needless to say, some of those guys got the message pretty fast. And um, football was an outlet and also an opportunity for me to push myself. So I was obsessed with how do I get better? And that really set the stage for my career in human performance. I love that. And man, it was just how you finished that being, being obsessed with something, Mm -hmm. being obsessed with whether it's uh, in sports or being obsessed with a new career or a job or a passion. uh, I think that's where it started. It has to be like the root. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. So Okay, so that got you kind of started in like, man, I want to be better, right? Yes. I want to be better. What was, I guess, like your first, maybe like um, your first idea or or maybe even job that kind of like took you through, you know, that whole obsession to, you know, where you are now? What was that, what was yeah. that first, you know, maybe it was out of high school, out of college, but what was that first career move yeah so I, I was a walk-on football player at texas a&m okay and i ended up getting to play and my strength coach at the time mike clark who's now the it's so awesome dude like mike's a strength coach now at the detroit lions we got dan campbell who was a fellow aggie oh, uh jason aaron glenn defensive course all these aggies yeah, i know right yeah are now anyways that's a whole nother story but anyways mike had a huge impact on my life um and so I, right out of uh, A&M, I went to the University of Arkansas as a graduate assistant strength coach. And one day, uh, you know, I'm working in the weight room. I'm studying physiology there as a master's program. And this coach walks in with some sprinters. And he's like, hey, this is right after the Athens Olympic Games. Okay. He's like, you want to train these folks? And it was um, – a gal named Veronica Campbell Brown. She's an eight-time Olympic medalist now, three-time Olympic gold medalist in the two short sprints, two hundred and less. Uh, and her husband Omar. And then I ended up working with Tyson Gay, the American, the guy that broke the American hundred-meter record. And Veronica, for anybody that doesn't know the Jamaican sprint system, is known as the Queen. There's like three statues: her, Bolt, and Shelly Ann Fraser Price. When you go to Kingston, oh, wow! And so I got to travel the world with some of the best sprinters on the planet. And really start to see how the rest of the world was developing athletes and how the U.S. was really kind of behind. And um, and because we were behind because we had the best talent on the world. You know, when you got the best talent, you're not exactly looking for every possible way to improve the talent. And so countries like Australia that have limited population were pouring tons of dollars into technology institutes of sport and training. So that was my first move. And then, um, I ended up spending the next, you know, 15, 16 years in the NFL and college football as a strength coach. And then 
the 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 change in all of this happened in 2010. I was at Florida State with a guy named Jimbo Fisher. He just taken over for Bobby Bowden. Bowden's a you know a legend in college football, yeah. and uh, I had the opportunity to go to Australia to learn about sports science and athlete tracking. Nobody had ever used athlete tracking devices here in the state, so I come back with a suitcase. And I got some of these devices in there. And this is in 2010 still? 2010. Yeah, this is, dude, Apple Watch, think about this. Apple Watch didn't exist. Fitbit was something, but not really much. (laughs) And um, here I am trying to convince the head coach to let me strap these devices to our players' pads that connected to GPS satellites. And I'm like, I think nobody had ever quantified what actually happened on the football field. Yeah. It's kind of like in business, like if you don't know your numbers and your metrics, how are you going to succeed? Wow. Well, in football, it was all like intuition, like, well, this is what we did before. And I'm like, that's not good enough. Um, and he'll laugh, man. Like we had like millions of data points coming off these devices. And after the first week, Coach Fisher's like, all right, what are we going to do with this? And I didn't really have a good response. I was like, I don't know. And he was not happy. Oh. Oh, with yeah, he got, yeah. Well, he's like, like, think about it. I just gave this executive like a sheet of data and he's like, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. And so that's kind of when I had a big epiphany that data without insight is completely useless. And so I hired a former NASA propulsion engineer. They just cut the space program. President Obama had cut the space program. Mm-hmm. So he came in and helped me derive meaning from it. Long story short, we were able to turn that data into actionable recommendations to reduce injuries and help our team perform better. Um, from 2011 to 2012, we had an 88% reduction in injury. Our team went from nine to 12 wins. We won a championship and then the NFL flies in and they're like, all right, what the heck's going on here? Yeah. And it quite literally opened a multi-billion dollar market for sports wearables and data here in the U.S. So every NFL game now you see college football game all of that started with one trip to australia look at that in 2000 crazy huh that is crazy wow so so i got okay a couple of questions <laughs> yeah a couple of questions what was that like describe to me like when you was with the um you know looking at the uh those track athletes Right. And as they, you know, they came in and whatnot, what was it like? Like, I know it, you were already thinking ahead in terms of like, man, how can you get the, how can you pull the, the most out of them? Right. How can you get them? And it's not just about like the testing in the weight room. Right. But actually what they're doing, like in their, in their sport, like, did it just come? you know, you start thinking ahead of it before then, or was it like an aha moment or what if this, or like explain to me a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a really, really good question because as a strength and conditioning coach at the time, I had a very narrow view on what led to performance. So I'm like, Oh, in the weight room, if I do this, it's going to lead to this on the field. The reality is, they were already elite. They had just come back from the Olympics. So you're talking about like shaving hundreds of seconds, maybe a 10th or two off of the fastest in the world 
So now this is when I started creating a model for what elite performance looked like. And there's, there's multiple components to an elite performer. There's a, a physical component, mm-hmm. a mental component, a technical component, a tactical component, you know, intellectual. So physical, like let's just take a football player, like a freshman football player physically just needs to develop unless you're a skilled receiver or something like that, where you can just run wild on the outside. If you're an interior lineman, you got some physical building to do. There's a, um, there's a mental component to this. Like how do you perform under pressure? Mm-hmm. How are you, you know, are you training in an environment that is, that is conducive to performance on the court, on the track or on the field? Is it mimicking the stressors that you're going to experience? Then there's the technical skill, like the actual technique for a sprinter, getting in the blocks, hand positioning, uh, acceleration coming out of the blocks or, you know, alignment, maybe their first step, hand hat placement. Then there's the tactical. You've got like the whole offense, right? Or uh, a a runner's, how am I going to run the curve on a 200? You know, there's tactical things. Or if I'm running a 400, like there's a tactics to when I'm going to pour it on, when I'm going to pace. And then there's um, an intellectual compart, which I really think is like, how do you just manage yourself in life? So I really started looking at things from a global viewpoint and then started doing what I call limiting factors analysis. Like for this individual, what is the factor that is holding them back? With these elite sprinters, sometimes it wasn't like they needed to like, if anything, the weight room just, they just needed to maybe go in once or twice a week to kind of just hit some weights to stimulate the strength that they needed. But maybe it was more a technical part of um, not transitioning and coming up too fast when they're accelerating out of blocks to really be patient through 40, 50, 60 meters. And so, you know, with a football player, I think that's one of the biggest downfalls of football as far as the development of the athletes is everybody exists in silos. The strength coaches here, the football coaches think about this. These people think about this. And so everybody thinks that their lane is the most important lane. Mm. When it actually changes over the arc of a player's career. So in high, and you know, early on, maybe a lineman just really, I mean, everything needs to get better when you first come in at a high school. But by the time they get to the league, it starts to become more and more up here. You know that. Like guys actually slow down. Like they're 40 times slow down, but their anticipation speeds up. So the game speeds up. So the guys are actually, it's not like the, the excel. Anyways, it's hard for people to quite understand this. You'll probably run your fastest 40 time ever at the combine. Yeah. But the speed at which you play the game and your anticipation, like, you know what it's, I mean, you played an NFL game. It's like a, like when somebody catches the ball, it is like the space gets sucked up so fast it's violent collisions where it takes a little bit longer in college. Yeah. Um, because players aren't anticipating as fast. Guys get guys in like in high school. So I coach high school football. Yeah, man. We watching film guys get beat by five yards. <laughs> they get beat by five. How do you let that happen? Five yards. And then you watch on Saturdays, right? Saturdays is college. Yeah. Guys are now, they getting beat by like a yard. Say, like, man, still like a half a yard a yard. NFL, inches. 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 
right? And it's not like everybody in the NFL is running 4-2. Right? No. It's not like that. So when you was talking, it's like, and I call it like when the, the game slows down. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, as you get older, your speed doesn't stay the same, your speed slows down as well. But your your way of thinking and seeing things really, like, makes you play at a faster rate. And so – And that applies to everything in life. Exactly. That's where I was going. Like, yeah. you know, the more I mean, experience it, you have, the knowledge that you have in different um, environments over and over again, man, you can start to – you can start to predict behavior. That's the that's the the beautiful thing with with understanding like environments, understanding like the character of someone or a group of people. You can start to predict behavior, mm. right? And and you start pattern matching. So like, <laughs> yes, I experienced this over here. The sequence of events happened, and now I'm you know 15 years into my career and whatever. And I'm like, ooh, I'm saying I can – oh, I remember that pattern of things that happen. I can reward my team, whether, you know, maybe it's an accounting group or maybe you're a marketing. You're like, hey, I've seen these signals before. We need to act now because it's going to be a bad outcome or we need to take advantage of X, Y, Z because it could be a good outcome. Yeah. But a lot of these things cross over. You know, in a football game, you know, it's always funny to see like um, uh, a re- – I've seen like – NFL video of like a Mike linebacker, a quarterback will check. And he's like, this is what's happening. And the quarterback's like, check. And then he's like, this is what, cause he knows he's watched, he's studied, he's pattern matching. And that's the same thing in business. The same thing happens. You're in, you've seen enough reps. If you're open-minded enough, you can start anticipating your opponent's moves. Love that. You know, that takes me to a store, not a store, but I used to watch, I used to play with Junior Seau. Oh, wow. And Junior Seau, man, he was, oh, my goodness, talking about knowing your opponent and, and knowing all the checks and what, what they're going to do and how and then getting everybody else on the same page. That made us better. Well, it's the same way, you know, like you said, in the business world, man, you have somebody who has experience, they can see things, and they can, you know, tell you what to be looking out for. They can mm-hmm. put you ahead. So speaking of being ahead, like I want yeah. to get to now I'm 50, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm still, you know, health is, is, is still um, paramount to me. Um, you know, I want to live for a very long time. And <laughs> even, and I know that the, you know, with me playing eight years in the NFL has done some things and whatnot, but um, mm-hmm. I've really like, I've, I've really stepped up my health game. So I, I, I wear these different, you know, different things. I got this Fitbit on. I've tried them all. But you have something that's pretty cool. Um, it's AIM-7. And mm-hmm. it's I, I'm, I'm not going to do its justice. Can you tell my yeah. listeners about AIM-7, yeah. who's it for, and what it does? Yeah, so I guess I would, you know, I can't see everybody. So if you're listening, just kind of like raise your mental hand if this if this is you you know how many of you wear a wearable device right now smartwatch like a fitbit or an aura ring the statistics show it's over a third of us adults we actually think it could be closer to 50 percent. and a lot of people you know how many of you actually look at this regarding like how many steps i took today or how many hours i slept or look at it regarding your fitness data 
probably a lot of people. But the problem is, is that it's just data. It's graphs and charts. It's not exactly telling you what to do each day so that you can look, feel, and perform better. Because ultimately, that's what people want. They want to feel healthy. They want to have more energy. And they want to be more vibrant. And so that's what AIM7 does. We give you daily personalized recommendations for your mind, your body, and recovery so you can look, feel, and perform better. So I'll give you an example. We can actually tell you the precise type of exercise, how hard and how long you should go today based off of things you already like to do, different types of exercise that rapidly improve fitness, prevent injuries, prevent burning out. Um, We can assess what your current mental state is and be like, oh, you're stressed right now. Here's a specific breathwork tool you can use to calm down. Or maybe your mood is off. And then we also do the same for sleep and recovery. And um, I'm really excited, Alex. You'll be the first. This is the first time I'm talking about this. But here in a couple of weeks, I don't know when this is coming out. But um, around the third week of November, we're going to be releasing very personalized, what we call contextualized resistance training programs. So based off of like, I've got your equipment. I've only got body weight. I got dumbbell, kettlebells, or full gym. Your time demands. I got 30 minutes today, 60 minutes tomorrow, and then your fitness level. And so people that are very active and busy and hectic lives or travel, this will change with you as your life changes to help improve. Yeah. So like I'm a busy dad of three. Some days I'm like, I planned an hour workout and then it's like, oh, wife calls. I got to go. I got 40 minutes. The program can change with you in real time. And, um, so we're trying to solve that problem for busy people. Just tell me what I got to do today to feel and perform my best. Oh, I love that. And, and folks, so I've been using this for a couple of weeks with aim seven and it's legit. Thank you. Like I get on there in the morning, I plug in, I wear my, my wearable and then right. Cause it goes with Fitbit. It does with. Apple, Apple Watch, Watch. Oh, Garmin, Aura, uh, the major, all the major brands. There you go. And so, and it kind of, you know, I have to give a quick assessment. It takes like yep. maybe 40 seconds in the morning. Yeah. And then it gives me information and how I, you know, what my day, what, or what my workout should look like that for that day. Maybe I need to take it easy. Um, a, a late night the other day. And so... Um, you know, the, the workout told me that, Hey, you know, only work out for this amount of time and this intensity. Yes. So I said, man, I was going to lift weights. Now I'm just going to hit the heavy bag. And it was, I mean, it was great. But what you're talking about, and you said it earlier, it's like, um, you said something about like the data, but yes. the data without, um, insight, insight is meaningless. Yeah. I would even say actionable insight because a lot of these companies say like, Ooh, we're going to give you insights. It's like a chart. And you're like, okay, thanks. Like Apple health kit. It brings everything together, which is awesome. But who's got the time to like download data and then to go sit around looking at a spreadsheet. Like if I got three kids, yeah, (laughs) I'm a sports scientist. I don't do that. Yeah. Um, I actually have so many coaches that are using this product right now because they're like, Eric, I don't want to think. And, uh, and so that's really the, you know, we, we launched in sept we launched August 23rd. Actually, we put it into what's called a private beta. So I'll give you a little business background on this. Yeah. 
we spent two and a half years developing, almost two and a half years developing the core IP behind the product or developing the core technology. The IP almost is 10 years old. We've been working on this for years. All, a lot of the stuff that we'd developed uh, through research and experience with elite athletes, we packaged this in the app. Um, we put it into what's called private beta in February, which means people could come in. We did zero marketing. We had 250 paying customers. And we were able to demonstrate in the first 30 days, the average person experienced like a 19% improvement in motivation. It was like 17% better um, mood, better energy, better sleep, less stress in one month. And we're actually finding now as we have more customers in for longer periods of time, those numbers are sticking for over three months. Mm. So people are experiencing lifetime, long-term changes. So we launched in the app store in August 23rd we've grown 65 percent since then um and like i told you we're releasing the exercise resistance training full-fledged programs in november and then i'll tell you the really cool thing it's even cooler i was about to say you've heard of man (laughs) i know we've been working on some stuff you ever heard of like you know like chat gpt or generative ai yes so this stuff is really good for it can create things the problem is it's not good for health and wellness because it has to be personalized to you. So we have been building our own AI. Uh, we call it Amy. And uh, okay. it um, it's, speci- it's a, what's called a large language model for just health and wellness. Here's the cool part. Just like you would with a coach, you're gonna, it's going to bring you back, man. Okay. Most people, research is showing most people don't know how to use these products yet. The num- percentage of people that actually use ChatGPT or Claude or Bart on a daily re- daily rhythm is very low mm-hmm. because most people don't know how to use it yet. It's like, what's prompt engineering? It's just confusing. So what we're going to be doing is deploying our solution side by side with the program. So you got your training program for the day, your exercise program. And then you could go in and be like, hey, I've got 15 extra minutes today. I want to get some extra arm work. Program changes. Hey, I want to work on my hamstring mobility or my hamstring flexibility program changes. Hey, I got to go early. Can you fix my program program changes? It moves things over to later in the week. So just like you could go back and forth with a personal trainer or coach, our AI will do that for the workout and that's coming. Lord willing, we'll have it out right around Christmas. So that's been two and a half years in the making. Wow. Okay. So who is this for? Is it for yeah. the former athlete, 50-year-old? Is it for the person who sits at the desk? Is it for that junior guy who's playing JV, yeah. but he's, he wants to push the varsity for his senior year? Who is this for? This is for the average person that uses AIM-7 is 35 to 55. You could be well, younger I, or I older. I fit in. Okay, let's go. Yeah, you're, yeah <laughs> I mean, that's just who's falling in the demographic, yeah. but you have to have a wearable. Most of these people exercise a couple times a week deliberately. They get on elliptical or they do a functional strength training class or hit the gym a couple times a week. And they just want to know what to do. Like I got a smartwatch. Maybe I got an Apple watch or Fitbit. I paid a couple hundred bucks for this thing. Just tell me what to do so that I can feel and perform better. At a 50,000 foot view, we are helping people. When you get in the app, you'll learn this. We're helping people build what we call adaptive capacity or the ability to adapt to physical and mental stress because that is the unlock for longevity. People talk about living longer. 
if you can adapt to physical and mental stress, you will have less illness and you will live longer. The, the, the scientific literature shows that there's, we have five pillars for AIM-7, sleep, exercise, mental fitness, nutrition, and healthy relationships. We're focused on three right now, sleep, exercise, and mental fitness. For instance, if you get at least 150 minutes a week of heart rate elevated exercise and two total body strengthening sessions a week, so you get 150 minutes of your heart's pumping and two resistance training sessions a week, you reduce your risk of all-cause mortality 47%. If you sleep more than seven hours a night, there's a reduction in all-cause mortality around 24%. You have less risk of diabetes, obesity. So what we do is, is like, not only do we tell you what to do each day, at the end of the first week, we analyze your data and we're like, hey, Alex, like that, you're crushing it in the weight room. You're doing great with your sleep, but you know what? You're not really doing anything for your mental fitness. So we're going to give you some tools and we're going to give you a little goal around that. And, um, and then we're going to make it accessible. And then we have a library full of content from some of the best in the world, the senior sports psychologists for the U S Olympics. Uh, we got stuff in there on sleep. And so we, we, we cover all parts. We, we give you what to do today. We give you a realistic and attainable goal, and then we, just like a great coach, we give you the tools and resources to know how to do it. And um, so that's that's that same seven, man. And it's it's kind of everything I learned over all these years, and we're just trying to continue to build on that so anybody can can live a more healthy and vibrant life. Love that. That's dope. So thank you. Liz, so so this is the last thing I want to you know kind of talk yeah. about is really like, man, having that entrepreneurial spirit, right? Like finding something that you're passionate about, mm. and I can hear that, man. Science and data is it, you know you're really passionate about. But what are like, what are like three things that somebody who's who's um, who's trying to become an entrepreneur? What are three mm. tips or tools that you can give them to help them, you know, have that longevity that goes along with, with entrepreneurship? I would say first, try to solve a problem that's close to you. Mm, love it. Like, don't try to solve a problem that you're like, Ooh, like, I think I can make a lot of money doing that. You'll hate it really, really fast. I've made that mistake before. Like solve a problem that you know and understand. Number two I would start with the offer first, meaning like, and before you build the product, what is, there's a great, uh, have you heard of Alex Hormozzi? Yes. Love Alex. He talks about these grand slam offers, which I think is really like the framework is really good. If you can understand what you're going to have to offer somebody to lower all the friction for them to purchase, start with that, like reverse engineer. Like if I saw this offer for Something let's call it the, the best personal trainer ever that sucked in all your wearable data. And then we flew in helicopter, your food, like, Oh, what is like the craziest offer we could offer you? Like, think about it that way and then go build the thing and then scale it. So I would say, find a problem that's really, really close to you that you understand and you're passionate about. Number two, start with the offer, then build the product. And the last thing I would say is, and I heard this yesterday from the guy that founded Kinko's. And I thought this was so brilliant. Don't love your business because your business isn't going to love you back. 
Your business, you own your business, but you love your family. You love your friends. The business is a vehicle mm. for impact for me to impact other people. But I don't, I love what I'm doing, but like, I haven't, I don't, I know it sounds weird, but like, I'm not in love with aim seven. I'm in love with the fact that we have an impact. I'm in love with the fact that I, and it provides for my family and it gives me an opportunity to see my kids more. And, but like, it's one of these things that like, it may or may not work out. And if all of your self-worth is caught up in what you do, um, it could really be devastating. But if you're, if your self-worth is caught up in the impact you can have, guess what? You can, you can step into another lane. That is foundational because what I hear, what you just said is like, not what you do, like for athletes, they fall in love with this, this sport and they not sure if it's going to, if it's going to give them success or they're going to fail in it. They don't know how far this is going to go, but they start to fall in love with it. I think it should be fall in love with the journey Mm -hmm. and not fall in love with, you know, with what it is, because what happens is you get, we can get it intertwined with our, our identity. You know what I'm saying? Like whether it's aim seven or if it's, you know, playing in the NBA or playing professional football or whatever, and we start to get it mixed up and it becomes who we are. Instead of just like, no, that's something that I created or that's something that I do. Mm. I'm still Eric. I'm still Alex. So that's a foundational principle. And I, I mean, that was, that was beautifully, I mean, beautifully stated. Thank you. Yeah. That's dope, man. That's good stuff. All right. So before I let you go, anything I might have missed, is there any question that I should have <laughs> asked you that, that can help anybody, whether it's entrepreneur, former athlete, it's a mom and dad trying to get healthy. What is something that I might have missed? I don't think what there's anything. I would just say, like, if like, be curious. You know, like, I think Alex, you're a curious guy. You wouldn't have a podcast unless you were still wanting to learn and have a hunger and thirst for that. And I, and personally, I'm the same way. Like, I, I I'm always trying to learn whether it's about my health, how I can be a better husband, a father. But I would say like, if you want to be a great entrepreneur, if you want to be a great member of your society, uh, of our community, you need, you need to be curious. You need to be willing to listen to other people's opinions, you know, and sit there and like be curious about why they think a certain way. It's just something that totally random that I've been thinking about lately. And as we enter another election cycle this coming year, like curiosity is so important. Can I sit with somebody that doesn't agree with me or I don't maybe quote, have a different viewpoint and actually listen with intentionality and to willingness to understand when you're, when you're talking to your customers or you're talking with your friends, can you sit there with curiosity? Um, I think that the most interesting people I've ever met are the people that are making the biggest impacts are typically very, very curious people. Um, and I, I guess the last thing I would say is if the message about aim seven was interesting to you um, and you want to try it out, uh, I'm going to give you a coupon, SHARK, all capitals. Oh, let's uh, go. That you can use, yeah, 50% off. You get a seven-day free trial and then 50% off your first month. Um, and I'll give you that link and then a link to our site. You can only use this on our website to sign up. But um, if you're interested, give it a shot. 
Uh, we'd love to have you later this month where those resistance training programs are coming out. It's, it's been a labor of love. And so, uh, very excited and just so thankful, Alex, that you would have me on your show. And I'm excited for you to come on The Blueprint. Yeah, man, I can't wait. Man, I'm really looking forward to that. Really looking thank forward you. to that, man. Eric, man, thank you so much once again for being a guest. Man, you've, you've added value to my life. You've added value, I know, to my listeners who are trying to, to get better and use data to help them improve, to take them to whatever that next level is in their, in their life or in their journey. So, man, thank you. Thank you, Alex. So if you like today's show, I want you to do me a couple of favors. Number one, I want you to rate it. Okay. Give me a review. And then I want you to share it. The reason I'm asking is the more ratings and reviews that I get, then I can get more influential guests on the show. I get more influential guests. It creates like this, this loop where I get pretty cool people who have a big following or um, I get somebody with a huge platform, then it benefits everybody. So the more ratings and reviews that I get and that you share it, it helps me, which helps you out. So I would greatly appreciate it if, only if, you like this show. I want you to do those three things, okay? So um, I appreciate you and I look forward to to jumping on uh, next week so you can hear some more insightful information that can help you parent your kids, especially if they're athletes. Okay, we'll see you next week on The Shark Effect.